0: Thank you for joining us at our podcast here at VIVE Church. Pastor Adam just kicked off a series, Real Life Revival, and we know you're going to be blessed by this message. Also, we want to invite you to VIVE Conference happening August 25th, August 26th. There is a hope in downtown San Francisco, and it won't be the same without you. So visit VIVEconference.com to sign up today. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It's already Because when you go to Hebrews 11 and verse 1, you, you know it's going to be good. I want to talk about uh, the relationship between hope and faith. Because there is a, a very important relationship that we all need to understand between hope and, and faith. And just as Pastor Adam was talking about, there is a hope. I want to make sure that we grab a hold of that with, with the right mentality about what that means for us. And just as he said, I, I do feel like that's prophetic, and so I'm going to try and ride off the back of that prophetic moment and see where we go. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, "Now faith." Everyone say, "Now faith." Now faith, now faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for. By the way, I apologize to the media team because I didn't send them any of these scriptures that I'm <laughs> about to read. So if y'all are keeping up, I commend you. If not, it's okay. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, or the substance. Everyone say, "Substance." <laughs> substance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that you cannot see. Uh, one more passage, Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Famous story, Jesus encounters a man named Bartimaeus, blind man receives his his healing. Uh, Jesus is passing through a city called Jericho on the way to Jerusalem. Actually, for the last time, we're about to enter into Passion Week, the week leading up to Jesus laying down his life for us. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, And they came to Jericho, they being Jesus and his disciples. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside." That Jesus is asking Bartimaeus, given the fact that he is blind and you are a healer. But that's just my my opinion. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Because faith is the evidence of things that you cannot see. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith, everyone say faith. faith. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. On the way. I want to talk to you from the subject now faith. Now, now faith, the relationship between hope and faith, and how we need to have a, a now faith. Write that down in your notes. Now faith, now faith. Let's pray one more time. Ask God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word as it goes forth right now. Use me, Lord, in this moment. Speak through me. Help it, God, to be clear, help it to be powerful, help it to be anointed of the Holy Spirit. Help it touch every life. In this campus, in every campus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our initial text, Hebrews 11, is part of a a very sermonic style letter. It's a a letter written in the style of a sermon. It's it's poetic. It's it's beautiful. And it's written to uh, a group of people who are Jewish by birth, but have since left behind the, the rituals and the traditions and the laws that are associated with their, their Jewish religion. It's full letter. The letter written to the Hebrews lets us know that these are Hebrew people. But when you begin to read the letter, you see that these are no ordinary Jews. They don't believe like ordinary Jews. They don't practice like ordinary Jews. They've, they've heard the gospel of, of Jesus and have been set free and, and, and have left behind the, the, the life of religion and have stepped into a life of relationship. And so they don't, they don't need to practice the same rituals of cleansing and washing anymore because they've been cleansed once and for all in, in Christ. And they don't need to make repeated sacrifices for the atonement of their sin anymore because Christ has made the sacrifice once and for all and they have been atoned for permanently. And so they've, they've left behind the, the stuff of their religion and now they're clinging to Jesus. Now it's, it's not that this former stuff was wrong or bad. It's just that it was only ever designed to be temporary. It was, it was designed as an incomplete system by God the Father from the get-go. Because the Father was always looking to the moment when the Son would whisper those words, it is finished, and we would be ushered into a new covenant, a new era. And so, so things are changed, changing now because of what Jesus has done for them. And so they're leaving behind that stuff. And it's not that that stuff was wrong. It's just that they now recognize the incomplete, temporary nature of it. God said, behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a river in the wilderness, a river in, in the dry place. And that's exactly what, what God did. In the midst of religion's wilderness and, 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 and humanity's desert, God carved a river of life. And that river of life is Jesus, come to do what all the laws and the traditions and the rituals were not able to do, to bring life. Jesus is, is, is the river of life. And so these Hebrew people have made a great change, you see. It's, it's a great thing that's happened for them. They've, they've traded the, the prison of religion for the freedom of relationship. It's a great event that's happened in their life. But that doesn't change the fact that the people in their life are not celebratory of the change that they've made, you see. It's a good thing for them to be in relationship with Jesus, but their peers and their family members and and the people that they live with in their society are not celebratory of the fact that they've left behind the law. They're not celebrating the fact that they are now in relationship with this one called Jesus. This is the same Jesus that, that was just you know, killed on the cross. And it's it's a taboo thing to talk about Jesus. It's, It's not a celebrated thing to talk about your relationship with Jesus. And so, even though these Hebrew believers are in a position where they have a passion for the Lord and they understand what has been given to them, they are surrounded by people who do not share that same enthusiasm. And therefore they are being persecuted for their belief. And understand that it's persecution more than what we would connect with with the ancient world or even with the Middle East today, it's, it's not just violence. It is violence, but it's more than just violence. It's persecution in a pra- pragmatic sense. You see, I'm not going to buy from your business anymore because you believe. And I'm going to divorce you now because you believe. And I'm going to disown you, son, now because you, you believe. It's, it's persecution that affected them very practically in, in the way that they lived in their daily lives. And so they find themselves in this unique position where although they've left So much behind in the spiritual sense, they are still surrounded physically by things that constantly mock them. Have you ever left some things behind, but then in the physical sense, there's still evidence, there's still stuff hanging around, like reminding you and trying to pull you back and and, and drag you back down into what you're trying to leave in, in? They've changed, but they're still surrounded by the same people. They still walk down the same streets. They shop in the same markets. They still live with the same family. They still got to live with all the same stuff even though they're trying to to live in a brand new day, to be a new day kind of people, to be a a new river in the midst of the wilderness kind of people. And so they're dealing with that persecution of moving forward yet still being surrounded by everything that's old. And this, by the way, is not contrary to God's plan. Understand that once you begin to follow Jesus that does not mean that you're now on easy street. It does not mean that there will not be many days where you don't feel like this is difficult. This is n- not what I thought it was going to be. It's not the will of God for those who are in the river to be oblivious of people who are still in the dryness. You understand? It's it's not the will of God for the people who are in the river of grace to be ignorant of or to be mocking of what goes on in the desert place. Rather, we are to be aware of the people who are still in the dry place and be calling them to the water's edge that they may experience the same river of grace that has been bestowed upon you. And so that is God's plan for for every now and then there's going to be some sand kicked as you cruise down the river. There's going to be some rocks of religion and judgment and harsh treatment thrown at you. That's, that's a dynamic, a relational dynamic that exists between the river and the desert because the river is running through the desert. It has not diverted from, it's going through the desert. And so there's a relationship between river and desert, you understand. And that's a dynamic that these Hebrew people knew very well. They knew the dynamic of, of being persecuted by the people who are still in the dry place. And so they find themselves in this unique scenario where the temptation is very present to go back. Have you ever wanted to go back? Have you, have you ever wanted to, to lay aside the call of God on your life and to return to when it was easier? To when it was more socially acceptable? To when other people were on that same wavelength as you? Have you ever, have you ever wanted to, to go back? And, and come to terms with that temptation to return to the things of old instead of pressing on into the new thing that God is always, always doing. That's exactly where these Hebrew people are. They want to go new, but the temptation is to go old. And this is the, the challenge with, with living a Christian life sometimes is that you always feel that, that, that tether, that tie. People love to remind you where you came from. People love to remind you what you used to do how you used to act, what you used to believe. And so these Hebrew people are in this very challenging position where that temptation is is present for them to return to what is old. And that's why this writer of the letter is is addressing them. Because he's aware of the fact that there's a community of, of Hebrew believers who are feeling this great temptation to, to return and to forsake the gospel of Christ and to go back to what was more socially acceptable for them, the laws and, and the rituals and, and the traditions and, and all those various things. And so he's writing to address them, hey, don't go back, because Jesus is better than everything that you've left behind. You understand that, right? Jesus is a better... A system. He's a better priest. He's a better king. Jesus is better peace. He's, he's better fulfillment than the, the fulfillment of that old life. And he's better joy than that false high. And, and Jesus is better than everything and anything you left behind. Therefore, he is the sole possessor of the category of best. He is the only one who can fill that seat. So the writer is saying, don't go back because Jesus is far greater than anything you have left behind. All of it. Nothing comes close to what Jesus is calling you into, to the life that he has for you. I know that it's difficult to see right now because you're surrounded by people who are pointing you in that direction. But if you just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, then it won't be long before you recognize that the great things ahead of you far exceed those average things that are behind you. Just because it's safe doesn't mean it's right. And just because it's recognizable doesn't mean it's for you. You see, I have found that some of the great temptations in the Christian life are not to do a thing that is evil. It's to go back to a thing that used to be good. And so it's the relationship that was right back there in that season, but it ain't right for you anymore in this season. And it was that mentality about yourself that you got by with back there, but now Jesus is ushering you into a brand new day. And so what worked back there isn't going to work up here for you anymore, so you got to leave that stuff in the past and let Jesus call you into the future. your neighbor let him know Jesus is better Jesus is better he's he's better and it's all this this talk of of the betterness of Jesus and that's a theme throughout this letter the, the 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 establishment of the fact that Jesus is better and so he says he's better than Moses he's better than the old system the the writer is letting them know whoa guys Jesus is better than everything you've left behind and it's this talk of of just how much better Jesus is that produces in the Hebrew people hope. It's understanding that Jesus is better. That Jesus is greater than the challenges of my life that produces hope in us. And we understand that the light overcomes the darkness. And that produces hope in us. And we understand that love wins out over fear and that produces hope on the inside of us and we understand that though people do hateful things we have a loving God in heaven whose love will prevail and that produces hope on the inside of us and for the first 10 chapters of this letter the writer is purposely trying to produce hope on the inside of these Hebrew people because they needed hope and you and I need hope Hope that the future holds the promise that we seek. And hope that the kingdom is growing and that the light is expanding, that the darkness is being eradicated from the earth. We we need hope that we are heading in the right direction, that the things that we're believing for will come to pass. We, we need to be a hopeful people, and they needed to be a hopeful people. But understand that hope by itself will not seize the promise. Hope by itself will not get... You see, here's the thing about hope. Hope believes the destination, but it does not know the way. Hope knows that it's there, but it doesn't know how it's going to get there. And you got to be a hope-filled people as long as you understand that hope alone isn't what's going to get the job done for you. And so even though for the first 10 chapters he's filling these people with hope upon hope, he turns a very important corner in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 where he says, Now faith... Now we're talking about something different. Because hope is this, but now faith is the substance of the things that you've been hoping for. And it's the evidence of the things that you cannot yet see. you got to have faith. Hope by itself is wishful thinking. Hope by itself is whimsical. Hope believes the destination, but it doesn't know the way. But faith is the road that your hope can travel upon to reach the thing that you've been hoping for. You see, faith is the ingredient that you absolutely must possess to be a person who actually realizes the promises of God for your life. You cannot live your days just being a hopeful person. Hope is not the strategy of heaven. Faith. Faith is what God is looking for you to move in, act in. Faith is belief in action. I don't want to hope my church grows. I want to work my tail off to make sure that people are growing, that the church is enlarging. I don't want to hope that people mature spiritually. I want to make sure I do everything I can to help people say no to what's not good for them so they can say yes to what is holy for them. I don't want to hope that people... My God, this is, going to get, is getting ready to go. So faith has to be the ingredient. It's got to be what resides on the inside of you that takes a step. That puts one foot in front of the other. And sometimes it feels like that's all that you can do. But, but the word of God is a lamp unto your feet. And so sometimes you can only see one foot being, foot, being put in front of the other. But that's got to be enough for you sometimes. You don't need the whole picture. You don't need the clear. You just got to know that faith. Helps me to take action. Instead of just staying stuck back here where I hope that God is going to do something for me. I'm going to be a person of faith who chooses to put one foot in front of the other foot. Even though I can't see up there, I can at least see the next step. And I'm going to believe God that he'll meet me with every step that I take. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. I would say that faith without works is hope. Because hope by itself is just wishful. It's just, it's just whimsical. But faith is the ingredient that you need to make the promise a reality. Otherwise, tomorrow will always be stuck in tomorrow. And it will never become today. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life where tomorrow always seems out of reach. I want to live my life where I recognize there were some moments where the tomorrow that was in my heart became today. You see, every person walks around and they carry within themselves a yesterday, a today, and a tomorrow. You right now in this present moment on the inside of you, you got a yesterday, you got a today, you got a tomorrow. And each three of these occupy a different part of you yesterday for example lives in your head it's the movie that you keep replaying over and over and over again in your mind it's it's what holds on to that shame and holds on to that guilt yesterday is responsible for nostalgia and therefore it is the primary way by which the devil will try to prevent you from ever moving forward in life (laughs) And so other than visiting yesterday every now and then to gain some perspective and to gain some wisdom, it's not a place that you should live. You don't want to live in yesterday, even though a lot of us are. Trapped inside your head, just replaying, what, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I can never recover from that. And yesterday is your reality. Yesterday lives in your head. Tomorrow lives in your heart. Everybody has a tomorrow in their heart. Tomorrow is responsible for all your hopes and and all your dreams. Depending upon how long you've been aware of the tomorrow in your heart, you either love it or you're frustrated by it. If you just recently discovered the tomorrow that resides on the inside of your heart, then man, you're in love with that thing. Like All you can think about is the fulfillment of your dream and how this is going to end up this way and how I'm going to achieve this level of status in life. and My marriage is going to be like that and my kids are going to be like this and my career is going to look this way. If you just discovered young people, the tomorrow that's on the inside of your heart, it's all you can think about and talk about. And you bothering people, but that doesn't matter to you. You won't shut up about it because you love the tomorrow that's in your heart. But for people who have been aware of the tomorrow in their heart for some time, maybe you got a little frustration about that tomorrow. Because that tomorrow just keeps on being one day away. It just never seems to get any closer. It never seems to get any more clear. It never seems to be, to be realized or actualized in your life. And so you're frustrated by the tomorrow in your heart. And, and, and you need tomorrow in your heart. It's got to be there. But just like yesterday, you can't live in tomorrow. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because tomorrow lives in your heart. And when tomorrow never becomes today, your heart has the tendency to get anxious and frustrated and sickly feeling. And, and you walk around with a cloud over your head because you can't seem to quite figure it out. They figured it out, but why can't I figure it out? So you got to have tomorrow, but you shouldn't live in tomorrow. And that brings us to today. If yesterday lives in your head and tomorrow lives in your heart, then today is in your hands. And this is the place where faith thrives and multiplies. It's the space between everything you left behind and everything that you're looking forward to. Now faith. Faith today. Not tomorrow faith. Not someday when faith. Not up there faith. Now faith in this present moment. When's the time to act? Now. When's the time to change? Now. When's the time to join the team? Now. When's the time to speak the word of encouragement? Now. Because it's now faith. Faith is a thing in the present moment faith is a tool for today it's what advances the kingdom faith is what is what makes tomorrow's hope today's reality it's got to be faith today you see it's now faith that will help you not to be so overwhelmed by the failure of yesterday nor overwhelmed by the potential of tomorrow but to experience the presence of today's power because there is a power that is available to you today and you access it by faith. Everything given to you by God is by His grace and you step into it by faith. And as soon as you recognize that faith doesn't wait but faith acts now, the sooner your tomorrow will be realized in your life today. You cannot make hope the strategy of your life. It must be faith. Faith that acts in the moment. It is absolutely necessary. If you want to experience the realization of the promises of God in your life, it's faith in the moment. How do I know when the moment is? It's when you don't feel like it. It's when you don't want to. It's when the call goes out to give generously and you go, not doing that. That's a good sign you should do it. That's a good sign you should exercise some faith right there in that moment. It's when you feel the, the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit to reach out to that person who you've just been bothered with and annoyed by and you don't feel like you got anything more to offer them. No, that's exactly the moment when you should reach out because faith acts in the moment and the opposite of faith is always that feeling of I don't really feel like doing this, but that's how you know that you should do it. Don't hope that they figure it out. Don't hope that the church grows. Don't hope that the conference is good. Make it good. Exercise your faith. Take a step of faith. Buy that person's registration. Change their life. Take a practical step. Realize the promises of God through faith. I love the story of our friend Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is like, he's walking tension. He's he's a walking contradiction. Bartimaeus' name means son of he who is highly prized, means son of honor. Yet he himself has no honor. Bartimaeus lives in Jericho, it's like one of the wealthiest cities in the region, fertile, lush, beautiful. Yet Bartimaeus is stricken by poverty. And so his reality doesn't match up with his conditions, nor his name. What he has been called stands in contrast to what he is, son of honor, Bartimaeus. It's evident to me that that Mark, the writer of this gospel account, recognizes the tension, the tension that exists between Bartimaeus and, and his name, his situation, because he draws our attention to it. He says, we got Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus. Now, we know that the prefix bar means son of, bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus. So he repeats the name, and in between the name, he puts the situation. So we got son of honor, son of he who is highly prized, a blind beggar, son of honor. So Mark recognizes the tension that exists around this guy. And that's like his his way of writing it like that. That's like his way of drawing like a giant neon sign pointing us to the fact that a miracle is about to happen. Because I don't know about you, but I serve a God who specializes in the fact that he can always get into somebody's situation and world when things don't seem to add up, when things don't seem to be the way, when our reality doesn't align with what God has called us. We serve a God who specializes in inserting himself into those situations And bringing some kind of miracle to happen to change that. And Mark is drawing our attention to this tension that exists around Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus. Now, something tells me that in recent time, Bartimaeus had reason to hope. Like I said, this is the the last time that Jesus is passing through Jericho and he's on the way to Jerusalem to go to the cross. And so, this is not his first time going to Jerusalem, this is his last time going to Jerusalem. And there's a road that goes through Jericho that you take to get to Jerusalem, which means that this is not Jesus' first time walking down this road through Jericho. And you know that, that Bartimaeus has heard of Jesus because when Jesus is walking by, he cries out, Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, have mercy on me. So that means that for the last two, three years, Bartimaeus has been living with some level of hope because he's heard the testimonies. And he's heard the stories of what Jesus has done for other people. He's heard the testimonies of other blind eyes being hope opened. And he's, he's heard the stories of sick people being healed. And he's heard about the wonder and the awe that surrounds the ministry of this man, Jesus. And because of the testimonies, Bartimaeus has had reason to hope that one day he would receive a miracle as well. He didn't used to spend his time hoping that he'd see to do so would only be to torture yourself. Why would you hope for a thing that's impossible? He didn't used to spend his time like that. But in recent years, something tells me that Bartimaeus has been living with some level, some degree of hope. And that's a healthy thing for Bartimaeus to have. You need to be a hopeful person. As long as you understand that it was not Bartimaeus' hope that got the miracle. When Jesus heals the man, he says, your faith. Has made. He didn't say your hope has made you well. He didn't say your wishful thinking is what brought the miracle about. He didn't say your nice ideas is what made the miracle happen. He said, no, your faith, your belief put into action is what made the miracle occur. Because hope cannot be the strategy of your life. Okay, so Jesus is passing through Jericho, and this is not the first time that he's passed by, passed by Bartimaeus. I know that because he's, he's a beggar. He's a blind beggar, which means he sits on his beggar's mat at his beggar's station, wrapped up in his beggar's cloak all day, every day. If you want to find Bartimaeus, then you know exactly where to look for him. You know exactly where to find him in Jericho. Oh, yeah, just go down there, turn left, turn right. You'll find Bartimaeus right there hanging out in his beggar's station. And so as Jesus is walking by, Bartimaeus has had reason to be hopeful I wonder how many times Jesus has passed by Bartimaeus, but he didn't say anything. I wonder how many times Jesus has walked through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, and Bartimaeus thought about taking a step. Bartimaeus thought about taking action, but he didn't do it, because comfort got the best of him, because fear got the best of him. And so he wanted to, but he didn't. And so he stayed blind. He stayed in his current condition. He stayed in the broken marriage. And he stayed in the financial disrepair. And he stayed in that same low view of himself. What are you staying in right now? What do you show up to church looking for every single week and have the opportunity to grab onto, but you don't because comfort and fear get the best of you? How many times does Jesus pass by you, yet you don't reach out? How many times when the song begins to play and the hands go up and the voices are singing, do you sit back and your mentality is, God, you're going to have to make me. Well, Jesus didn't make Bartimaeus. Do you think Jesus was unaware of the fact that he was walking by a blind guy all those years? Because hope cannot be the strategy of your life. Jesus is waiting for the day when you decide to choose faith when? Now. Now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is the moment. Maybe something inside Bartimaeus told him, This is the last chance you're going to get. You better take the opportunity while you got it. I don't know why he chose this opportunity when he didn't choose the ones prior, but for some reason he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tries to hush him, tries to shut him up. It's not appropriate, Bartimaeus, for you to be crying out to Jesus like this. This is the guy, don't you know, that we're about to herald as our king as we make our way into Jerusalem. And you are a lowly societal figure. It is not appropriate for you to be crying out. But Bartimaeus doesn't care. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus hears the cry of Bartimaeus. He says, call him. So the people walk up. They're eating their words now. They go to Bartimaeus. I love what it says. It says that Bartimaeus sprang up. It's like he got up with some expectation. It's like he got up with some excitement. It's like he got up believing that things were about to change for him. It's like he got up knowing this would be the last time he got up blind. But as of this moment forward, I'm gonna be a seeing person. I'm gonna be a visionary person. I'm gonna be a healed person. I'm gonna be a whole person. I'm not staying back there in the miry clay anymore. I'm moving forward into a future that God planned for me. And this day, yes, this day, will be the day when I leave that stuff behind and I'm walking into the new creation that God destined me to become. I'm not staying addicted. I'm not staying stuck. I'm not staying chained down. Today will be the day when I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. And so he sprang up and I love that it says he let go of his cloak. And that's a really big detail you got to understand because the cloak was important for a blind guy you don't let go of the cloak that's your security blanket it's what identifies you as who you are so people know I should give that guy some charity you never let go of the cloak the blind beggar hangs onto the cloak but in this moment Bartimaeus lets the cloak go he empties his hand of yesterday and that's because his hand is now filled with something better because faith is the substance of what you hope for it's what makes the intangible tangible faith is the substance so he lets it go and now he's walking towards Jesus but he's still blind but that's okay because faith isn't just the substance of what you hope for it's the evidence of what you cannot yet see so even though he's the blindest guy in the crowd he can actually see more clearly than anybody else that's present because faith is what makes the invisible visible I need you to take 15 seconds right now and just give him a praise break that he put faith on the inside of you that you don't have to stay stuck that today can be a brand new day when you choose faith right now 10 9 8 7 5 4 come on Oakland clap your hands All you people, shout unto God with a sound, with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. What do you need to empty your hands of right now that you can pick up faith? You cannot hold on to your way and God's way at the same time. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you got a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order that you may establish your own traditions. In order that. In other words, you had to let go of God so that you could pick up you. You cannot hold both God's reality and your reality at the same time. If you want to pick up God's view of you, if you want to pick up God's reality about you, if you want to pick up the faith that God has given to you, that means you got to let go of that other stuff because your hands can only be filled with one thing at a time. And I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing faith. Touch your neighbor and let them know. I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing faith. Thank you for joining us here at this podcast. We hope it blessed you. And if you want to check out more about our service times, locations, or how to partner with us financially, check out vivechurch.org.